welcome to another bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. This probably isn't going to land on a weekend, so I'm not going to call it a weekend bonus episode. But uh, we are doing another portfolio profile episode, and this is our second portfolio profile episode from the Ride Home AI Fund. Um, this is a company that a lot of people are super, super excited about. Uh, I am as well. We're going to talk to um, Alex Alex Gajewski from um, San Francisco Compute, but we were just talking about that. Let's let's call it SF Compute. If you want to learn more as we're talking about what they do, go to sfcompute.com. Um, Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's start with like a two-minute elevator pitch about what SF Compute does. And if I'm listening, why maybe I want to immediately go check out what SF Compute does. Sure. Well, if you're listening and you have any need for H100s, which are um, the training chip that most people train large language models on and other kinds of large generative models, please, please come to us. We have a very large buster coming online in about four weeks, uh, maybe three weeks from when you're listening to this. Um, and it's got a ton of GPUs, fully interconnected, ready for all of your training needs. Um, it's designed to be um, mostly used by startups and researchers. That's what we're gunning for. We don't want to sell the whole thing to like giant stodgy enterprises. Um, but yeah, as of compute.com, lots of compute. Come buy it. So you you launched your first cluster. We're recording this on uh, November 16th. Didn't you just launch your first cluster last week? Indeed. Yeah, that was... Um, that was a very, very long Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we received the cluster, um, I think, seven days before that, uh, you know, two Thursdays ago. Um, and, you know, everything was broken. We very quickly figured out that, like, our hypervisor was not going to, you know, do what we needed it to do. Um, for context, like, um, you know, we receive a bunch of bare metal machines, and then we need to put them in some kind of virtualization so that, uh, you know, when you guys, our customers, come... Um, use them. You can't like you know fuck up the whole cluster for everyone else. Um, sorry. Um, it's fine. Don't worry. Great. Um, um, anyway, and so there's two main ways of doing this kind of virtualization. There's VMs and there's containers. Um, originally, we were going to do VMs. We had a ton of infrastructure set up that we wrote over you know like the month before we were going to get the cluster. Um, and then we get the cluster, and it turns out the VMs don't work. Uh, H100s are too new and too unstable, and there's like all these weird configuration errors, and so. In 37 hours, from like you know Tuesday afternoon to it ended up being Wednesday at around 5:30 a.m., we rewrite our entire infrastructure, like all of the code that we had written in the entire month leading up to getting the cluster, um, to use containers instead of VMs. Um, and we launched it, and it worked. And all of our customers are successfully running their training runs now, which is great. And that cluster is spoken for, which is why you're talking about the next cluster. Yeah, or that cluster is spoken for at least for the next like three weeks, there are like a couple other nodes that, um, you know, if you act now, you could get. Um, but we have another one that's 10 times bigger that's coming in December. Um, and that's the one that we're, we're very excited about because it's huge. Um, so this is uh, this is of interest to anyone that, you know, is training a model or something. But, the, but I'm not, I, I am not someone that has a need to use this right now. But my understanding is, is that other providers like expect you to like sign long-term contracts and like you got to plunk down like millions, tens of millions of dollars up front. So um, is this? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the main thing that we're trying to do here is like sell, you know, very, very flexible, very short-term bursts. We can do, you know, as little as a week. 
Um, and this is important for AI because if you're training a large model, like, you know, the natural way to use your compute is like do a bunch of tiny experiments with like some small amount of capacity that you have like on a long-term contract. Um, and then you want to do one big burst. Um, that's the scale up training run. Um, and that's the model that you want to, you know, launch your next product with, or like bring into your next investor conversations to raise your next round or something like that. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a lot cheaper to only pay for it for the like one week or one right. month that you can do the training run on, um, than it would be to like pay for that, you know, very large amount of capacity for a year or three years or, or what other providers. Right. Because have. that's almost the, the chicken and the egg thing. Like, um, like if, if you're, if, if you're a startup and you want to go to investors, but you need the $10 million first to make the model to take to investors, um, then you've got the chicken and the egg problem. But so essentially you can train a scale model before you have all of the money that you would prior to this need to, to train a scale model. And then, so like, this is a shortcut to like proving out uh, what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the thing that we want to do is make it possible to do an AI startup and like, um, AI startups, at least today in like, you know, the, the brave new world of generative models, um, look very different from the way that software startups looked for the last 20, 25 years. Um, and the, the big difference is like economic, it's financial. Um, normal software startups, you, um, software is free. Like, you know, you have ramen, you have like 10 people in a basement coding for, you know, 36 hours a day. Um, and the software comes out, uh, and it's done and you can use it and it's great. Um, and it didn't cost anything apart from the ramen. Um, AI is really different. It's more like, I mean, it's a little more like manufacturing hardware, which has these like large fixed costs. You have to buy at a factory. You have to have all these parts made. Um, it's actually even more extreme than that, though, in, in the case of AI. Um, the thing that people figured out a bit about AI, um, you know, in the last three years since GPT-3, uh, or maybe GPT-2, if you were like a little bit more prescient, um, is that scale matters. These things get better when you make them bigger, you add more compute, you add more data. Um, and like the same old algorithms that people have been using for, for 10 years or uh, maybe a little less than that, um, they basically get you to close to human level performance. Um, and um you know what does it mean to add more compute and add more data to make this model better um it uh it means to add more money it's more expensive and so these things get better the more money you add um which just like kind of changes the way the math works out for startups so uh i want to remind people again if this sounds interesting you can go to sfcompute.com but this is sort of like what i have to do for ad reads just for listeners of the tech meme ride home um, for this new cluster that's coming out, there's a special email address, um, ridehome at sfcompute.com. If you email these folks there, um, there's no guarantees, but hey, this might be a little bit of cutting the line, uh, sort of going, taking your head under the velvet rope sort of thing. Um, so again, um, if this sounds interesting to you, you're working on something and you you need some um, some capacity fast uh ride home at sfcompute.com email them directly and um they'll try to work with you so uh yeah, we'll alex pull you up the list. yes pull you up the list okay uh what's your background on this uh is this your first rodeo in terms of a startup and or uh what's your background in the ai space uh well, i can do both um startup wise i, I mean 
this is sort of the whole reason that we're doing this now. Um, I did one other startup just before this. Uh, it lasted like two years. I started it right after college. Um, it was called Metaphor. It still exists. Um, my old co-founders are still going, and I, I gather they're say, doing say, well. I'm sorry. You said um, that really fast. What was the name of it? Sorry. It's called uh, Metaphor Systems, Metaphor.Systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a generative search engine. Um, so we trained this big model to um, effectively predict the next link. Um, like, you know how normal language models, the pre-training objective is predict the next word, um, and you just scale this up on tons of data, and you get this... Um, you know, human level autocomplete, which, which is, uh, you know, in the direction of API. Um, we did the same thing on links. So we would scrape a bunch of text off of the internet, look for the links. And those links were the things that we wanted our model to predict. Um, so someone would say, oh, here's a great blog post by Paul Graham about fundraising colon. Um, and then our model would try to answer the question out of all of the links on the internet, um, which one is most likely to come after that prompt. Um, so we trained this model, we were working on scaling it, um, but it took us like a year from founding the company um, to get to the point where we had a reasonably good model. Um, and in the end, like that training run only cost like $30,000. Like if you just add up the GPU hours that we used during that one training run. And so in principle, we had done YC um, at the beginning of that company. Um, and you know, these days YC gives you 500K. Um, in principle, we could have done that training run during YC if somebody had given us a compute burst. Um, so that was maybe at the beginning of when we started thinking about um, doing bursts. Um, the same is true, by the way, at larger scale. Like if you want to train a GPT-4 scale model, um, you know, you want to be able to raise just, I mean, quote unquote, just you know, $30 million to do that one training run. Um, I think the, the training run is maybe 15. You want a little buffer for for the rest of your company. Um, the, the, um, the, did the idea for SF compute come out of that? Like sort of, did you learn the economics of like, you're describing, um, like if you, you could have spent the whole 500 K or whatever, like, is, is that sort of where the light bulb moment came for this, which is, is there an, uh, a way to do sort of like you're saying the testing before you have to commit to a full, full run, as you're saying. Um, the, the direct inspiration for SF compute is a slightly different story. So, um, at the beginning, this company was actually doing something very different. Evan and I were working on a generative music model. Um, we like went down to LA, we lived with, uh, music producers in like actual Bel Air, like from the Prince of Bel Air, um, in this like music production mansion with, you know, everyone is, uh, it's kind of like a hacker house in SF. Um, but the LA version, like there's the dubstep guy in the basement, there's the videographer with a closet full of drones. Um, it was actually really fun. Um, but, um, you know, we started out with not that much compute and, um, we wanted to scale up our model. Um, we had something that we thought would be pretty good if we could make it bigger. Um, and we like called, um, you know, every cloud provider in Silicon Valley that we could find. Um, and they all said like, no, what you want compute for just a month? Like that's ridiculous. Um, and at some point, uh, Evan and I were talking and Evan says like, Hey, you know, we could just like buy a lot of GPUs and like rent them out to people for like short periods of time. There's like so much demand for this stuff. I'm sure we could, we could sell it all. And I was like, Evan, you're talking about a completely different company. Like we're not pivoting to a cloud. Um, and you know, here we are. Uh, 
That was only like three months ago, by the way. Um, I, I actually do know that because that's when Evan got in touch with me. Uh-huh. Um, without, I'm not going to ask you to like, you know, give away um, secret sauce or advantages or things like that, but everybody needs access to H100s now. So um, do you have the capacity, like you're, you're going to stand up this, this next cluster in December. Like if I'm listening to this, um, and I'm like, this is great. I want to work with these folks. Um, what level of confidence do I have that you're going to be able to serve my needs, given that everyone, including the biggest companies in the world, are, are trying to get their hands on, on capacity like this? I mean, this next cluster feels very big to us. It's like, you know, 10 times bigger than the one that we're selling right now. It's worth about $80 million. It's like, it's huge. It's really expensive. You could... Um, train uh let me think um i want to say like five gpt threes a month on it something like that maybe 10 um like really really big um but as you say there's tons and tons of demand in the world also and our you know goal as a company for the next few weeks is like find that demand and fill it up and we would love for this cluster to be way too small for us and we have you know eyes on site on or line of sight on um other ones that we can get that are even yet much bigger than this one, um, if we have enough demands to fill it. Well, right. And, and you know, one of the ways that, that bigger players do this is it's like one of the reasons they ask you for, you got to commit for a year, you got to give us $25 million is because that's uh, an easy way to, to lock this stuff down. But y- y'all are committed, at least right now, to saying, if you only need two weeks, we'll sell you those two weeks, right? Like, yeah, this I is- mean, I, I'm happy to commit to that indefinitely. Like, that's why we exist. Um, right now, the minimum is one week. We would love to make it an hour. Um, there's actually some cool, um, like, scheduling algorithms that you can do um, when you go down to the really short blocks. Um, you can, like, um, you can make, basically option it off, and then it'll be, like, like, a real utility company, like the power, and it'll be, like, more expensive during peak hours during the day when everyone is like turning on their dev boxes and doing their short experiments for the day and cheaper at night. Um, we're not there yet, but uh, soon. Give us a moment. Um, so the next one's coming out in uh, December. Do you have any visibility for other clusters going forward into 2024? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we can um, fill this one up, um, we have another one in February that we could get. We have another one in March that we could get. Um, and then soon there will be B100. That's the, the next generation ship from right. NVIDIA. Ostensibly, it will be shipping at the end of the third quarter of next year. Um, and we're very excited to get, you know, a very, very big B100 cluster. Um, we're hoping to have like one of the first large, fully interconnected ones. Um, and we'll do the same thing. We'll give it to people for very short periods of time. Um, we really want to enable like lots and lots of people to train large models. Like that's, that's why we exist. Uh, we're again recording on uh, the sixteenth. Y- y'all have a, a sort of a coming out party or something happening in in uh, San Francisco this weekend, I believe. Um, what what have you seen so far in terms of? I mean, you're the it's in the name SF Compute, um, and so the whole idea of you know for whatever this term means anything, Cerebral Valley is there. What what has been the response uh, from? From developers, as opposed to selling to enterprise or something like that, what what have you seen in terms of um, the response to uh, what y'all are providing as a week as of right now? 
Yeah, yeah, actually, um, a week as of 5 a.m. this morning. Um, uh, it's nice that we're in San Francisco. I think we're the only cloud that's based here. Um, our office is actually in Cerebral Valley, like the Cerebral Valley AI conference was one block that way um, yesterday. Um, and many of our customers are just our friends, like people who were doing generative AI startups at the same time that we were. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's nice to make things that, that are for, for people in our community. Real talk. 52% of men over 40 experience some form of ED between the ages of 40 and 70. But it's always been a taboo topic. Thankfully, Hims is changing that by providing affordable access to ED treatment all online. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis, up to 95% cheaper with options as low as $2 per dose. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No insurance needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash ride. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash ride for your personalized ED treatment options. Hims.com slash ride. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Recently, the world learned the power of artificial intelligence, a technology cybersecurity leaders have been leveraging for years. Now, as AI expands and evolves, those same security leaders are left wondering where humans fit into the next generation of AI-empowered security tools and solutions. Arctic Wolf, the industry leader in managed security operations, seeks to answer this question in their newly published report, The Human-AI Partnership. Access the insights of over 800 cybersecurity decision makers in North America and the United Kingdom to better understand how organizations are weighing the benefits and risks of deploying AI tools. Uncover the biggest obstacles to turning AI and human engineers into a formidable team. Discover why the near-term benefits of large language models are being upended by a crucial flaw in the technology. And learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. Can I ask you a couple sort of macro questions for someone that is on the ground, in the arena, as as Chamath (laughs) likes to say? Um, What's your take or the take that you've been hearing from the community of OpenAI's Dev Day and the the stuff that they announced slash released, etc. I I mean, believe it or not, I did not watch the Dev Day announcement uh, because yeah. that was during the week that we were setting up our right, 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 and that week had a lot of you know seven a.m. nights in it. Um, uh, but based on what I've heard secondhand, I don't know. I mean, this there's this like. There are two schools of thought around what's going to happen in AI, right? Either it's going to be um, big vertically integrated players that win, like OpenAI and DeepMind, um, maybe Anthropic, um, or um, I mean, maybe the the most popular competing philosophy is that open source will win. That there will be like lots of really good open source. That was going to be my next question, but go ahead, keep going. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to try to like throw a third possibility into the ring, mm, okay. um, which is I'm not sure if there will be open source models that are like as scaled up as the largest closed source ones. Um, but there is like, uh, you know, there's a third possibility, which is that there will be companies that um, train really good scaled up models um, and sell them. Uh, like OpenAI actually doesn't sell GPT-4. They sell an API to GPT-4, um, which is super, super restrictive. I'm like very bearish on um, people's ability to make good products on top of APIs. Um, if the world had, you know, for some amount of dollars, the ability to buy a, uh, the weights of a model as good as GPT-4, I think there would be way, way more competition in AI right now. There would be tons and tons of um, really good products. People would be, you know, making best-selling fiction novels written by language models. Well, okay, so let, let me interrupt you. That's interesting. So you're saying that you see uh, the big news from, again, I'm not as deep in the space as you, is like, oh, um, they created like an app store for GPTs. Okay. But what you're saying is, is you think there's potential for a third sort of marketplace where it's like, well, we've trained a model that's really good for writing books or really good for scanning x-rays or I'm something. I'm not even describing that, although that's okay. a good idea. Um, uh, I think what's missing is like the ability to buy the base weights to a protein. Um, again, because of cost, like um, some of it is is because of research secrecy also. Um, but for those two reasons, I think like, you know, lack of knowledge of the research techniques that were used and lack of dollars, not a lot of companies in the world have models that are as good as GPT-4. Um, but if you could, um, you know, buy the weights of GPT-4 for you know, one tenth the price that um, of the compute that went into it, or something like that. Uh, maybe less. Let's say one fiftieth of the price of the compute that went into it. Um, then I think you would just have this like economy that that would like blossom around it, and people would um, uh, like, for example, one really early work from um, D. Mike Bolt, early as in uh, summer twenty one, I think, uh, was called Flamingo, um, and they took at that point, I think it was. Chinchilla, which was the best language model that DeepMind had made at the time. Um, and without changing the weights of Chinchilla, they added a new modality. They added a vision modality. Um, and that training run was actually very cheap. It was much cheaper than the original Chinchilla training run um, because they had the weights already. Um, and they did some like cool neural hackery to like add the new modality. Um, and I think people will do like way wackier stuff like that um, in language if they had um, or I mean, in, in the startup ecosystem, if they had access to, to weights today. Um, another place you see this, by the way, is um, in diffusion models. Um, because stable diffusion uh, is actually like quite good and it's open source, people have done like really, really creative things with it. Um, like, I don't know if you saw that um, there was this image that said like obey on it. Mm. Um, and it was actually like people walking down the street or something like that. The, and the Bar Barbara Kruger sort of style of font. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, people invented techniques to like generate images that sort of look one way if you look at them, uh, uh, you know, from one angle and look a different way um, if you like squint. Um, and uh, like super non-obvious, like OpenAI if, would never have done it on top of Dolly, for example. Um, and I really want people to invent stuff that's like that creative um, on top of language models. And it won't happen until there, were, there are really good, either open source or at least purchasable um, language model weights. Uh, one more macro question in the sense 
of coming back to the open source versus I've said on the show a couple times now, it's almost like, you know, this moment, this current AI moment is not even a year old, but we feel like it almost feels like there are incumbents already. Um, so I've heard from various developers and like folks were like open AI in particular was they, they almost gave us more than we expected, but then they held back or like, underpowered things that we thought they would give us. Do you feel like people are unsure of, are they a platform or are they a friend or are they a competitor? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're um, opening a split, right? They have um, a product half that's trying to sell directly to consumers. Um, and they have an API half that's trying to sell to developers. And these are like kind of opposed to each other because um, the developers might want to you know, compete with products that OpenAI's product arm um, builds. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess this is another argument for um, thinking that that OpenAI in the end won't be actually the provider of, of really good AI infrastructure for the rest of the world. Um, honestly, it's something that we might do at some point. Um, like one framing of this company is like use the GPU supply crunch to like become big and get, among other things, a lot of GPUs that we can then train interesting models on and build interesting infrastructure on. Um, if we were to do that, um, at the very least, we would want to publish a ton, like publish everything, every training run we've ever done, like all the hyperparameters, all of the sweeps, um, as well as the infrastructure. The infrastructure is like, you know, not, uh, not to be trifled with. Um, GPUs go down a lot. Um, one of the things that we've learned in the last week is that, uh, even working GPUs go down a lot and we've had to, uh, we have hot spares. That's something that, that we do. That's a little bit different from other clouds. Um, so if, if one of your machines breaks, we just like move your run onto another, um, machine that we have literally hot. It's, it's like running, it's ready to, to have workloads run on it. Um, and we've had to do that way more than we expected in the last week. So, Alex, I mean, uh, the idea of going bigger than just serving the need that everybody has right now sounds very good to me as an investor, one of the reasons why we pulled the trigger. Um, but for this immediate moment, um, we'll, we'll say the email again at the end, but if people are interested in what you're doing, I believe you're still hiring right now or you're actively hiring right now, but even if just people are curious about what you're doing, like... Um, is there is there an ask for the audience? Is there something that people should know to get in touch if they are, are curious about what you're doing? Um, I mean, definitely reach out if you're interested in uh, well in anything that we're up to. Um, if you're interested in you know managing a huge GPU cluster and keeping it online for people, um, if you're interested in we're actually like actively working on um, training some base models um, with with the intention of open sourcing the infrastructure and. Um, possibly open sourcing or, or selling the ways. Um, if you're interested in any stuff like that, um, like please do reach out. Um, and, and then again, um, just for listeners of the show, if you're hearing me say this right now, uh, email them ride home at sfcompute.com. And uh, again, uh, dip your head under the velvet rope a little bit. Um, I, uh, Alex, I'm super excited. Um, uh, you and Evan um, uh, have been doing great work. Uh, there's other founders as well. Um, how big's the team right now? We are actually nine already. Um, wow. 
And again, we started three months ago. Uh, I know. I know. That's what's crazy about it. That's why it's so exciting. Yeah. Uh, Well, thanks for coming on the show and telling us about it. And thanks for um, sort of allowing uh, our listeners to have a a little bit of a leg up if if they can avail themselves of what you're offering. Um, Just appreciate you coming on the show. For sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. 